You're listening to the Life Nomadic Podcast, a podcast of inspiration, life lessons, philosophy, honesty, stories from the road, and, well, whatever the hell else I want to talk about. I'm your host, Brandon Collins. So let's get weird. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Life Nomadic Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Collins. How's everybody doing? You guys doing all right out there? I hope so. It is a gross day today. It's the end of March, almost April, and it's still freaking snowing. Um, today, I have a good friend of mine, Jim Williams, um, on the show. How's it going, man? It's good. Yeah? Good. Yeah, it's nice to see you in person again. I know. It's been a minute, hasn't it? Yeah. I feel like we've been digital friends for like two years. Yeah, ever since ever since the pandemic. Yeah. Because yeah. I never tattooed you again after the pandemic, did I? I know. I had to have. Uh, you finished the belly right before the right pandemic. Right before the pandemic, and that's actually the last time I've been tattooed by anyone. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably had you had some stuff going on in the pandemic that was wild to watch from afar. Yeah, definitely. The, sure. the whole car through your house. Yeah, that How, was. What was that? So we live basically at the end of a T. You know, so there's a a kind of busier road that ends and then our road carries on and this guy and his three friends got really drunk one one night and uh, one of the people in the car owns a used car lot just right up the street from us Mm -hmm. and so they borrowed this like tricked out mustang and came flying down the street that ends at our street Mm -hmm. at like 90 miles an hour and they hit, you know, a lot of the older streets in Reno, and I'm sure a lot of the older streets in a lot of cities are like this. There's like the big dip for like yeah. flood control and right, right. and water. Well, they hit that at like 90 and jumped like Dukes <gasps> of Hazard style. What? Hit the curb with just the front tires and then flipped like ass over end right in between my house and our neighbor's house. And the car landed in our master bedroom. <laughs> wait, in your wait, were you? Where were you? You were. In the I house. was on the couch in the living room, and what? so it went right past the living room window, past my like record room, and landed in the master bedroom at the back of the house. So it went all the way, yeah, like That's all the way into wild. our backyard, essentially. I remember seeing the pictures and was like, "What?" And so, what was that? What was that like? Was it just like the end of the world? Was it so loud? So I don't know if it was shock or what it was, but I heard the sound of car crashing. Like it's, it's a very distinct sound that nothing else in the world sounds Absolutely. like. Absolutely. And I ran out the front door and like all oh, my neighbors are out in the street and everybody's got their cell phones out, like calling 911 and everything. And uh, I'm like, where, where's the accident? Where's the car? And everyone's just looking at me like I'm insane. And I'm like, where what happened and they're like it's right there and i look down my side yard and i'm just like well there's a car in my bedroom (laughs) and it didn't it didn't really register like a hundred percent what was happening and then so i I don't know i don't know if i like disassociated for a second or, or what happened but it it took longer than it should have to realize there was a car in my house well i mean walking around you don't have a car in your house. So no. it's just like, yeah, nothing, your yeah. brain's just not ready for that to be a thing. Yeah. It was, it was really surreal because it was just like, like I'm sitting there and I'm like, I understand that there's a car in my house, but I like, can't make sense of it. Like it just wasn't clicking. Like I was just like, what this is like, what is happening right now? Wow. What was it like when you first slept in your room after because it took a while to repair everything right we were we were living in one of the smaller bedrooms in the house the whole thing was weird like they the insurance comes out the cops come out all these people come out and it it feels very clinical like nobody really cares you know it's just everyone's just like the the police officer has to take his report the insurance guy has to take his pictures and nobody seems really overly concerned about the people that are involved right um and so there was a brief moment when we were waiting for the home inspector because they had to decide whether 
the house was still livable. Um, like, you know, was the roof going to collapse? Right. Or, you if know, it was structurally still. Yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. Right. And so we're like, we're sitting there like, well, where, where do we go? Like what happens if yeah. we're, you know, we had two dogs. What, like, what do we do wow. if, if the house is deemed structurally unsound? And ultimately they decided it was, um, so we had to move everything into the back bedroom, which is essentially like our library. Um, so it's just me and my wife. We don't have kids or anything. Yeah. Um, and then we were in there for like, I want to say it was like two or three months. We were sleeping in there on like a wow. mattress basically. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so the first night that we actually got, cause we had to get like insurance bought us a brand new bed. We got like every, everything was demolished and like right. everything in there is brand new. Um, so the first night that we got to actually sleep in the rebuilt room on the brand new bed was, it was pretty amazing. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. It was. Did you have any like worry that a car was going to like fly through your wall? I, I still have a little anxiety about oh, really? that to be honest. Yeah. Like, um, we have this big kind of double window in the living room that looks out at the road that it happened from. And even like the dogs get anxious about it well, like, cause they were here with me in the living room. Mm-hmm. And anytime like, you know, after dark, if headlights are coming down that road, like the whole family just kind of looks out the window, <laughs> like, what are we doing this again? That's so crazy. That's so traumatic. I remember seeing you post that and I was like, what? That's a thing. Yeah. It was, what was wild was, um, the number of people who responded to that Facebook post are like, Oh yeah, that happened to me. Or that's happened to me multiple times. Like one of my, one of my close friends. What? Yeah, so one of my close friends has a similar situation to us where she lives on the end of a T. Um, but it's on a hill. So this huge downhill slope. Right. So every winter she gets a car in her front yard. Jeez. Yeah. So I felt better about it. Now. Like at least we only had it once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You feel like once, that's like a once in a lifetime thing. Like that's never going to happen again. You hope so. Yeah, you hope so. <laughs> All right, well, that started off pretty good, right? <laughs> talk about some crazy thing. Um, so today we wanted to talk about. So you have a, you do you have a podcast or had a podcast? It's. Uh, I was doing a podcast with my good friend Holly. She lives in Oakland, California, and we just recently kind of mapped out this plan moving forward because we've been. We've been really bad at being consistent with it. We haven't put out episodes as often as we had originally promised. Mm -hmm. And we've both been really bad at the self-promotion aspect of it, like just letting people know we have a podcast. And so we'd laid out this plan moving forward. You know, we were going to put one out every two weeks. And these are the dates we're going to record. This is the date they would be edited by, so on and so forth. Yeah. And then when we sat down last week to record what would have been the next episode, she let me know that she just doesn't have time for it anymore. She owns a gym down in Oakland. It's like a CrossFit style gym, Mm -hmm. but it's not affiliated with CrossFit, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And in the last few months, she's just doubled and then tripled her clientele. Right. And so she does personal training out of the gym, plus she's the owner of the facility and getting our schedules to link up because she's either doing, you know, client intake or, or what have you related to the business side of the gym. So unfortunately, uh, we're going to do two more episodes of elevation gains and then it will go on indefinite hiatus. Ah, what a bummer. Elevation gains with a Z with a Z. Right. Yes. Um, and what, what, what's the podcast about? It was about, um, outdoor adventuring and, and how to make these spaces that we visit, you know, cause I'm an avid backpacker. I have uh, the YouTube channel, as you know, right. that is all about backpacking. Uh, and Holly is a free diver and does all this other kind of stuff. Um, and so it was just, you know, how do we make outdoor spaces more inclusive, more welcoming? Oh, okay. Um, how do we overcome a lot of the barriers that, keep people from enjoying the outdoors. And so that was kind of the main focus of, right. of the webs of the, uh, of the podcast. Right. I mean, I've, I've listened to episodes. I just 
want to ask questions so that people that are listening, you know, that way we don't start talking about it and they're like, what are they even talking about? Um, well, yeah. So, um, we were talking earlier and, um, you're saying you were probably going to start another podcast, right? I, yeah. Um, it's been an idea that's been brewing to do another podcast that's more directly related to the YouTube channel so that the two would work together right. to, to kind of, I don't know, not, not every idea that I have necessarily needs to be filmed. Right. Uh, I have a lot of ideas that I want to put out onto the YouTube channel, but it's just like, you know, do I need this? Does this need right. the video accompanying it or, or is the dialogue enough? And so the idea that I have is just to have the podcast and the YouTube channel complement each other but have different content on, yeah, absolutely. on each one. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do the, the, the YouTube channel could be more visual, um, more like auditory or like, like just fun to enjoy watching. And then like the podcast, you can do your ideas and, and your feelings about whatever the things were, were, um, so that they're separate, but they're the same. Yeah. And okay. it's like, I already do some, podcast style videos on on the youtube channel i have two different segments um i have ask a backpacker Mm -hmm. which is me and my buddy from montana and uh we've done i think three of those oh cool so far yeah and the first one was the first one was super fun it was we each had three questions and so we did like this kind of round table joint interview mm-hmm. right I, I would ask him the question ahead of him when he was done he would ask me a question so on and so forth uh the second one there was a a period of time where all of the outdoor youtubers all of the backpacking youtube channels were in a huge panic because the uh, national forest service and other entities that manage these these areas that we go backpacking in are now requiring commercial filming permits what? Yeah. So if your channel's monotonized and you make money from the YouTube channel, you have to apply for a commercial filming permit to be able to film and post it to your YouTube channel. And so everybody was in this huge panic because they're they're expensive, they're difficult to get, um, and the enforcement end of it seems very random and chaotic. And so... In the midst of all of that, with everybody panicking and putting out these videos about, oh, you got to get, you know, there was half a dozen videos every single day for like a month. Every channel had their own version, including mine, of, you know, how do we navigate these permits? Hmm. And so, you know, it was, everybody was getting really down and really dark. So we thought it'd be super fun to share our three most embarrassing trail stories. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we did. We didn't ask a backpacker, where we just kind of went. Yep, this is. These are the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me while backpacking. Um, and then the third one was just very recently. We invited a third backpacker on, and we discussed um, basically like, does ultralight matter that much mm-hmm. when you're backpacking? Like outside of being someone who's doing like a 2600 mile through hike you know does 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 being ultralight matter for a weekend warrior does it matter for a day hike and that was a really fun discussion i think all three of us had some pretty interesting ideas right um and then the other segment i do on there is called what have i gotten myself into and (laughs) (laughs) um on those episodes it's just kind of me retelling stories of backpacking trips that went wrong and what I learned from them and what I took away from that. So I'm already kind of doing the podcast thing on the YouTube channel. And so I think maybe I'll just separate, you know, the things that can be more discussion based and verbal versus the things that need to be more visual. Right. Right. That's actually one of the, one of the um, deciding factors when I decided to do the podcast was, I feel like when you're listening to a podcast, you can be doing anything. You could be cycling, you could be walking, you could be driving, you could be sitting in a chair. You know, there's, you can literally do anything um, while you're listening to a podcast. Whereas on a YouTube channel, 
you have to be watching it right you have to you have to be sit in a spot and like just watching it so i think the 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 retention of people watching or listening i think will be much higher um in a podcast i I think so too i mean like i i listen to podcasts at work all day i'm fortunate enough to have the kind of a job where I'm just kind of on my own for, you know, getting my work done. Right. And so that's what's going on in my, my headphones yeah, all yeah. day is podcasts. Right. And also too, like one of the things I hated so much about when I was on YouTube was talking to a camera. I, I, there was something I didn't like about it because <clears throat> like right, like now when we're talking, when I'm talking into a microphone, it, it feels like I'm just expressing myself into a into a room and it doesn't really matter whereas like when i was looking at uh, when i was looking at um a a camera lens it felt like someone else was watching me and like judging me right and like (laughs) so like not only do i have to make sure that that you know my my voice and my tempo and all that is correct but also my facial expressions and my movements and is my background okay you know (laughs) so it's like that's one of the things I didn't like. And, um, and also it was like, who, who fucking cares? Like who wants to watch me? Like I'm a nobody. Yeah. That's, that's a big struggle. So I, I have an interesting relationship with the camera in the backcountry Um, cause I do a lot of my hiking by myself. And if you spent any amount of time in the wilderness alone, you'll know that, you know, your, your mind can kind of play tricks on you. 100%. And, yeah. And you feel like, like if I'm out hiking with a friend, like you and I have backpacked together Yeah, and there's conversation happening and totally. there's all this stuff going on. Um, when I'm out alone, you know, every sound is a predator or every, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, and you start to kind of mess with yourself and freak yourself out. And when I started filming videos for the YouTube channel, all of that kind of went away because there was these moments where I was having these conversations, these even one-sided conversations with someone who would eventually watch it down the road. And it took away a lot of that um, anxiety about being alone in the wilderness. Really? Yeah. I think maybe because it's like your brain, because you're talking, your brain just assumes someone else is there with you. I don't know what it was, but I find it, I find it very comforting to do the YouTube videos and, and, uh, talk to people and share my story. Mm. Um, and I think I have, at least I hope I have a different approach to YouTube than a lot of the other backpacking channels because I don't, I don't hide the bad times. Like I've cried on camera and posted that to YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, we did a trip, um, and this, you could probably do a whole podcast episode about this. Um, my buddy Brian and I summited tower peak and it was our third attempt. And, um, the first two times we just got completely spanked. Didn't even, it was ridiculous. And the third time we successfully summited, it was, we were riding this amazing high on the way out and I slipped and fell about 40 feet down a glacier. Oh shit. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, it was a matter of feet between pitching off the edge of a cliff and dying and crashing into these boulders and stopping, which is what I did. Um, we went back a fourth time to revisit the area where I almost died. And I, I got very emotional Yeah, as you would. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm standing there in this place where I, where I almost lost my life and I'm standing on the boulders that stopped me and kept me from pitching over the edge and I just broke down and filmed the whole thing. And when I got home and I was editing the video, there was this little part of me, you know, you get this weird little tinge of like traditional masculinity or whatever. I'm yeah. just like, oh, I shouldn't put that. And I was like, no, you know what? That's the centerpiece of the video. That is the story. Yeah. And so I put it in there and it was, you know, it was kind of cleansing. Even that, just Absolutely. Like, like putting that, that video out of me, like crying, sitting on this rock in the middle of this gorgeous scenery. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't know what it is. There's something about the relationship between me and the camera that I really enjoy. And it, it, like I say, it takes away a lot of that anxiety of being alone in the woods. It's, it's, I don't know if it's because it's occupying my time and giving me less time to think about the potential predators and things like that or, or 
or if it's like you say, it's just like my brain is tricked into thinking I'm with someone and having a conversation. But, um, I really, I enjoy that aspect of it. And I like putting out the trip videos with the bumps and the bruises intact, like putting mm-hmm. out the days that are, cause not, you, you watch a lot of these, especially a lot of like the through hikers, the people who do, you know, the PCT or the AT or something like that. And it's every day is sunshine and roses. Every day yeah, is perfect. It's We're very having curated. a wonderful time. And I've hiked enough that I know there are days in the woods that just suck. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have lots of experience solo hiking. Um, and I'd say most of it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, it can be like, I remember I did, um, I did this 80 mile section of the Pacific crest trail and I gave myself this really small window of time just to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I had to cover 23 miles a day and you know, you get up in the morning then there's no, the sun's not up yet. You're eating like, you know, oatmeal and, and powdered coffee and, yep. <laughs> and uh, the hallmark of backpacking. Yeah. And then like you, you start walking and you're in the dark and you're just trying to navigate by headlamp and like, like none of that's awesome. It's not terrible, but yeah. there's no part of it where it's just like, like there's no way to present that aspect of hiking to someone and have them immediately go, yes, that's a thing I want to do right now. Yeah. You know, what's weird too is when, when, Outside of hiking, I don't really like oatmeal and I'm not really a fan of instant coffee. Yeah, never. I will tell you what, as soon as I go hiking that first morning, I'm so <laughs> excited to eat oatmeal and like drink instant coffee. Yeah. It's I've, I've brought, so, well, okay. So now I'm a little bit more fancy because I have like an AeroPress. Um, when I go backpacking, I carry an AeroPress with me, but like, I don't even use it all the time. Sometimes I just want, I just want that instant coffee. Cause I bring them both with me. If I, if I meet another backpacker, I'll make them, um, an AeroPress coffee as like a fancy thing to like, you know, or at like a hostel or something. Um, but even then, yeah, most times I just, there's something about the instant coffee that brings memories of all the other times you've had instant coffee, you know, when it's pouring fucking rain or like the wind is awful and you can't even get out of your tent and you just have your little thing of coffee and it's like a little slice of heaven inside of chaos that is backpacking sometimes yeah no absolutely and yeah yeah i don't remember the last time i ate oatmeal where i wasn't sitting in the dirt yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i've I tr- i've tried it not that long ago i had oatmeal at at home and i um i got like halfway through it and was like i don't i don't want this anymore <laughs> and then i just would choke it down because i didn't want to waste anything but like yeah that's definitely a thing. That's so funny. Um, there's just something about the outdoors that's just like, I mean, there's tons of studies that that have shown how the outdoors can affect your mental health in a positive way. Um, and I can, I mean, I can attest to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know, like, I like I haven't been backpacking now since Thanksgiving weekend because it. Cause the weather's horrendous. The weather's been horrendous. Like it's <laughs> yeah. like last weekend, I finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go East. We'll, I'll go to, you know, just outside of Elko or I'll go to Utah or something. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, the weather's terrible all the way over there too. Everywhere. Like I was looking, there's a trail I found, um, near Elko, Nevada. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do this trail. Like I'm gonna have to carry all my water because there's no water out there or whatever. I'm gonna do it. And I was looking at the weather reports. I'm like, the high for the whole weekend is gonna be 11. <sighs> just, I'm not. Do, I'm not driving eight hours no. to sleep in negative four and walk in 11. I'm just not gonna do that. Yeah. And it's really been weighing on me pretty heavily, like not getting that trail time and not getting that time under the stars. Oh, really? Like my my mental state is is not great right now because i'm i'll hike in the spring and the summer i'll hike two or three weekends a month you know wow that's a lot yeah and i'm constantly getting that you know that serotonin boost from from being in the woods and i haven't been out i mean we're in march 
now and I haven't been out since Thanksgiving weekend. Wow. And it's, it's really weighing on me. And like, it's, it's weird. Like you, you almost like everything starts to kind of blend together. Like I don't really look that for much forward to the weekends or anything like that. Cause like I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a job I enjoy. Right. So I'm not looking forward to the weekend just to not be at work. You know what I mean? Cause I, oh, I like my job. I feel I enjoy so bad for people who that's their life. Oh, I can't even, I mean, I've been that person, so I can imagine, but I can't yeah. imagine going back to it. No way. Um, and so the, the thing that was always exciting to me about weekends was just like, Oh yeah, I'm going, I'm doing this section of the PCT or I'm doing this section of the Tahoe rim trail, or I'm mm. going out into the Sierras to do this right. off trail, crazy backcountry adventure and um yeah like i haven't been able and i like camping in the snow i like snowshoeing and and all that stuff but the weather's been so apocalyptic that i can't even really get out and do those things safely yeah 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 well especially like yeah i love i really enjoy um snowshoeing as well but i don't i don't like inclement weather so like if it's a nice sunny day, I'm totally down to go snowshoeing. But if it's windy and snowy and dark, like I don't even want to bother. Yeah, it takes a lot away from the experience. Totally. Like when you can't see the scenery because it's obscured by weather, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it takes a lot away from the experience. My biggest fear and my biggest anxiety is avalanches. Oh, really? Yeah. I um, Ever since I fell on tower on that glacier like i've had a weird anxiety just about being on snow period mm-hmm. and, I've, and i've overcome it I've, I've gotten a lot better with it but um yeah avalanches freak me out we were we were camping i forget the name of the lake right now but it was just off sonora pass we snowshoed in and camped at this lake and while we were sitting there getting our dinners ready this whole side of the mountain right in front of us yeah. fell into the lake. And I was just like, just across the lake from just me? like literally like we felt the wind blow. Yeah. Like yeah, it yeah. was, it was a significant avalanche and I was just like, Yikes. Oh. and uh, so I watched the avalanche reports pretty religiously and every weekend it's, it's the thing that's frustrating is like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, Oh, mild, you know, good snowpack, da 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 da. And you get into Friday, ah, uh, extreme, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like super dangerous. Yeah, and it I'm always seems like, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every so, time you want to like the weekend comes, the weather's like, no, we're gonna be gross. We're gonna be yeah, and it'd be super shiny the rest of the week. Yeah, terrible. I, I I don't mind being out in the wind and snow. Like it's not my favorite, but I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to go out when I know that the avalanche conditions are, are really, really significant because like, I don't know, part of me feels like, A, that just sounds like a horrible way to die. Yeah. Like suffocating. Suffocating. Under 30 feet of snow just sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Crushed and suffocated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But aside from that, like when, whenever we choose to go out and adventure and however we choose, you know, to, to do that hobby, it's not just our life that we're taking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if I go out in the snow and I get caught in an avalanche, now I'm involving search and rescue people. I'm asking strangers to yeah. risk their lives to come save me. Yeah. And I'm asking, you know, my wife to alter her entire life if something terrible were to happen to me. And so I always take those kind of things into consideration when I decide what adventures I'm going on. That's wild. I've never heard anyone say that. Because <laughs> nobody thinks outside themselves. Themselves. Yeah, I try to. I really, I, I, I feel very strongly that if, if we want to see a behavior in others, we have to practice it. Right. And so if I'm hoping other people will start to think about other people, but I'm not doing it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So... I try to really actively um, consider those kind of things. Like, you know, if is is this trip worth not just risking injury or or 
loss of life to myself, but mm-hmm. you know, now I'm asking search and rescue people. I'm asking yeah. all these other people down the line and you yeah. know, it's going to change the lives of the people in my inner circle right. forever, you know? And so it's like, if it's a spring or a summer trip, like the risk is minimal. Right. But if you're talking about going out into areas where there are like active avalanches, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've been following, uh, like the whole 395 corridor, like Lone Pine, Bishop, Mammoth, all the way down, like by Yosemite, mm-hmm. the highway down there has been closed and not just because of snowfall, but because of avalanches. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Cause so, it's crazy snowing and then it's nice and warm. Right. And then it snows again and then it and rains and then, and then it rains then, and yeah. that's avalanche. That's a recipe right there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they had, they had six in one day Wow. that came all the way down to 395. Wow. And so it's like, if I'm out, you know, if I go out to Mount Whitney or whatever, wherever, mm-hmm. wherever it is I choose to go, like, yeah. am I going to be able to get home? Yeah, exactly. Is the highway going to get closed? Like, even if a hike goes swimmingly, is the highway going to yeah, be closed yeah. to get home? And so you got to take all these different factors. And it would be so easy just to be you know, selfish, I guess, for lack of a better word, right. and just go out and do whatever all the time. But, yeah. you know, it's like... I feel like especially with as bad as the weather has been this year, because this is an exceptional snow year. I I yeah. only remember seeing snow this heavy once in my lifetime. So, you know, there were avalanches just last weekend and some skiers had to be rescued. Mm-hmm. But so now those resources are being taken away from people whose houses are getting crushed in the snow and being taken away from... Yeah, yeah car accidents and all this other stuff. And so I don't know all that stuff swims around in my head when I'm deciding yeah. if it's worth it to go out or not. And yeah, if everyone, if everyone could just take a second and think about what their actions do, like how their actions affect other people, this would be such a better place to live. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Can you imagine? Like, yeah, no, I can't. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so used to, um, it's funny too, because like, my this podcast is is mostly about like um self improvement um but also like talking to other people and hearing their stories about things and so it's i talk a lot about putting yourself first and doing all these things cuz you got to be good you know with yourself before you can be good for other people or help other people um and and all the the years I've known you, I've you've always been really super hyper aware, like hyper self aware, and I don't know why it surprised me to hear you say that, but it's <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, of course that's how Jim felt. Like he's less worried about himself and more worried about the people who have to go rescue him or his wife, and 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 that's true. I mean, there's there's been instances where people were acting stupid, got hurt and then the rescuers went to go help them and ended up getting hurt or killed going after them because they did something fucking stupid, but they didn't take that into consideration. They just were like, I want to do this one thing cause it sounds fun or I want to impress this person or whatever, you know? So I'm, um, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm glad you said that, but I'm also like, I can't, I can't believe I'm surprised that you said that. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, um, so since we're talking about like outdoors and mental health, um, how do you, how do you feel like, when did you start, when did you realize that going outdoors was benefiting you not only physically, but also mentally? So I've been, I, I was lucky enough to be raised in the outdoors, essentially like we, my very first camping trip, I couldn't even walk yet. My parents did a lot of like car camping, but like mm. primitive car camping. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like paved roads and, and, you know, pit toilets and all that kind of stuff. Like we were out in it. Right. Um, and the first few that I've seen pictures of from when I was just very, very little, we didn't even have a tent. We were just all sleeping on the ground out under the stars. And so it's, it's Hell always yeah. been, it's always been a part of my life. But it wasn't until, gosh, I want to say 2009, maybe 2010, 
that I went on my first like actual backpacking trip. Like I'd always done like a lot of camping and stuff like that. And I think, I think there's value in any way you choose to get outside, whether it's cycling or car camping or even, you know, in an RV or, or whatever, whatever Absolutely. your method is, I think there's a value to it, right. but there's something unique about backpacking because you are completely and totally self-reliant. Like yep. you have what you have on your back is what you have. Yep. And if you've forgotten something, then you just have to figure out how to navigate this, this adventure without that thing. You know, um, if you've packed too much, yeah, then you have to figure out how to navigate this adventure with all this extra weight. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. And so there's something I think very unique and special that sets backpacking apart from, from other types of outdoor adventuring because it's like, you know, I'll get, typically I'll get dropped off at a trailhead and then, you know, my wife or my friend or whoever it is that dropped me off drives away. Right. And so I'm just out there in the woods by myself and whatever, whatever comes, I have to deal with it to get from point A to point B, which is where I'm getting picked up. Right. And so there's just something I think kind of, I don't, I don't know if stabilizing is the right word, but it, it, it really centers me when it's just like, okay, I have this footpath. I have this many miles to go. Mm-hmm. I have this much time to do it. And these are the items that I have with me. Right. And all the other problems of the world kind of melt away because, you know, I don't really have to think about, oh gosh, is my car almost out of gas? Is my mortgage due? Is, you know, it's just yeah, like, I totally. have to get from A to B yeah, yeah. with these things. And so there's something, it's very centering and calming for me to be out, especially on solo trips. Right. Um, and I think that so rarely in our day-to-day life do we find time to just be centered. And so I think that's a huge mental benefit mm. to, you know, because we're so scatterbrained and everything's going on and looking at our phones or checking our yeah. emails or whatever it is, you know, whatever the things multiple things that you're doing at the same time. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're out in the back country, it's, it's boiled down to, I got to find water. I got to find a place to sleep. I got to cover these miles. Right. And that's the only thing. That's it. That's all you have to worry about. That's so I, I, I look at it the exact same way, right? Like when I, when I go backpacking, especially when I go backpacking solo, everything that you need to survive is on your person. And there's something terrifying, but also very, very liberating about that. I am in charge of my destiny solely apart from, you know, the, the environment or whatever, but like, and it's, i I feel, I look at it as like galvanizing. It makes you stronger and tougher to go out into the quote unquote real world but I never thought about it, how you said it helps center you. And that makes perfect sense because it attenuates everything in, in your life because, and that's actually one of the reasons why I really love climbing and bouldering because if I'm having a terrible day, right? If my anxiety's through the roof or if I'm feeling depressed or any of the other things that, that go on inside my manic brain, as soon as I touch the hold in the gym or, or on a rock outside, I don't have a choice but to only think of that one thing. The next, where's my foot going to go? Where's my hand going to go? What happens if I fall, right? Like, do I have enough chalk on my hands? Do I need more chalk? Am I sweaty? All these other things that, but they're all focused on one thing and it gives my brain some reprise from all of the other things that are happening in my life at that moment. Obviously, as soon as I get off the rock, it goes right back into thinking about it right? because that's just how my brain works. That's how all, almost all brains work, but, I never thought about that with backpacking and you're totally right. Like, yeah, you, you, you go from point A to point B. Um, do I have, I need to find water. Um, I need to find, I need to find shelter, you know, and, and like we talked about earlier, all of the, all of the backpacking videos are like, look how beautiful this is. And yeah, (laughs) it is beautiful. And it's, there's something about seeing nature and being out in nature that helps heal and there's tons of studies and tons of science behind all that 
but I think you're, I think you're onto something. I think that's something that's like really, really important. And, and as I'm, as you were, as you were speaking, I was listening, but also thinking about all the times I've spent out backpacking and thinking, yeah, that's the exact same thing. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's what, and, and, and it's different too when solo, like obviously going out with other people, like you said earlier, like you're, con- you're having a conversation, you know, you're chatting with each other. And, and I know you and I had some pretty insanely in-depth conversations like while we're hiking. Yeah. Um, but when you're by yourself, man, that's a whole different beast. It's a different world. And it's, it's one of the things I really love about it. And this is, this is one of the things people look at me like I'm nuts when, when I say like, this is one of my favorite parts of backpacking, but like you, you become so hyper aware of the things that you actually have control over. Like I can't control the weather. Right. I can't control when a thunderstorm's going to roll in. I can't control what wildlife is going to do. When a bear comes into your camp. Yeah. (laughs) Like that I have, I have control over how fast I walk, how far I walk when I stop, when I replenish my water, when I decide to eat. Um, and so I have this, this kind of finite little grouping of things that I have control over and everything else I just have to deal with. Right. So like one of my favorite stories to tell, and this is one of the ones when, when I tell this to people who have never backpacked, I can see the little dial in their head clicking backpacking to the no column. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Disclaimer, if you've never backpacking, <laughs> just don't, this doesn't always happen. Yeah. So I was on the PCT again. I'm trying to section hike the PCT. I don't know if you and I have talked about that. Oh no, that's awesome. Yeah. So I've got about 800 miles of it. Done. No way. Yeah, over the last, I don't know, six years. Um, so I was on this section of the PCT, and it was it was one I had done previously, but I, I had added 20 miles onto each end. So I had done kind of the middle section, right. if, if that makes sense. Um, and I was coming up. Uh, it was across like a dirt road, like fire road crossing, and I could see this like thunderhead rolling in over the mountain that I was walking towards. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so it's going to rain. I have to, I have to figure out how to deal with that. So I stopped real quick, got my rain gear out and just didn't like put it on, but just had it handy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at my map and I'm like, okay, so this is my last reliable water source. And then half a mile beyond that is the first like reliable campsite. Um, so I'm like, okay, so I've got to collect water and then walk a half a mile with all this extra water. No big deal. And I get to this little spring and I mean, the sky just opens up, just thunder and lightning, huge raindrops. Yeesh. It's just like this massive storm. And I'm just like, and when you're in the backcountry and stuff like that happens, it's interesting how quickly we adapt. Yeah. It's like on day one, if I got stuck in a big thunderstorm, it's like, oh, this sucks. The trip is ruined. Ugh. On day four, you're just like, whatever, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what's happening to me right, right. now. It's fine. Um, so I'm sitting there. I'm collecting water. And it clicks that someone had taken like an iron bar in a V shape and rammed it into where the spring comes out to make like a spout. Oh, right. To make water collection easier. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so there's thunder and lightning. I'm at like 10,000 feet. I'm the tallest thing here and I'm touching a metal bar. (laughs) Not my smartest choice. This is not great. This is not ideal. And then I look and I realize that the sign, this this kind of makeshift sign that says spring on it and the sign and the post are both metal. Right. And they are taller than me because I'm crouched down like trying to filter my water and everything. And I'm just like, and like in any normal situation, if you're stuck in a thunderstorm and there's lightning all over the place and you're next to metal, you just bail. Right. You're like, I'm going to get away from this. This is obviously dangerous, but like I had to get water. Right. And so I just filled up, I stopped filtering and I just filled up all of the containers that I had with dirty water Mm. and shoved everything in my back and, and you know, took off down towards the the campsite. But it's just, it was just this kind of funny moment of realization where I'm just like, I'm literally touching an iron pipe. Yeah. In a lightning storm. Yeah. 
above the tree line. And it didn't freak me out as much as it probably should have because it was just a thing that happens on trail. Yeah, yeah. And and because you'd been out there for a couple of days, um, you're kind of not immune, but you're more resilient against like adversity the, the longer you're out. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's... It, it, it's really interesting to me to watch over the course of longer trips, especially mm-hmm. to watch as each different hiker adapts to the situation in their own way. Like, whether, yeah. like maybe you're, maybe you're getting a blister on your heel or, or the sole of your shoe peeled off or you realize you forgot your sunscreen or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the problem is. Every individual has a different way of, you know, some one hiker might just let that ruin their whole trip. Right. And for the next four days, they're just kicking rocks and down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might just go, whatever, dude. I right. don't have any sunscreen. That's fine. Well, and it's a, it's a, it's a good allegory for life kind of in general. The, the, the more adversity that you've either came out the other side of or um, even been paralleled with, the, it, it galvanizes you and it makes you stronger and it makes you ready for whatever the next thing is. Um, and I like what you said earlier about, um, cause I, I, this is something that I preach about to everyone that I meet, you know, and even I, and I try to take my own advice, but we all know that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm like today I was talking to my therapist and the things that she was saying to me are the things I tell other people, <laughs> but I never tell myself that. And so I hear her say it and I'm like. I know the answer, right? <laughs> um, and it's that you said um, you can't control your environment. All you can control is how you react to that environment. Um, and I, I use a, um, a like a a surfing metaphor um, that I've, I've I've actually said on this podcast a couple of times. Um, but with hiking, it's the same thing. And and your experience is a direct result of how you react to whatever that thing was, you know, like, um, you're you're like, it's lightning outside and I'm standing by water, but I also need water. And so you just do the thing, right? Because you can't control the lightning, right? You can't control any of it. You can control how you react. You could run and go hide, um, which might've been a, a smarter thing, but because you've been around that before, um, you were willing to, to, to take the risk, I guess. And plus the odds of you getting struck by lightning when there's one, something taller than you. Um, but also just in general, um, that's wild because I, we got hit by a lightning storm on Mount Whitney and it was absolutely terrifying. That is a horrible place. All my arm hairs were standing up. They're standing up now just thinking about it. And we were, in the middle of it, there was, you could see lightning below us because we were at 13, we're in the saddle. So we're at 12,000 feet. Yeah. You could see lightning below and above. It was terrifying. Um, and like you could hear a hum in the air. It was, it was, I can't even explain it, but it's funny how, how the group, how each person reacted differently in the group. Like my brother is, much more conservative. He's much more, um, safety oriented. He's much, he's, and and I don't mean conservative politically, but conservative just in how he reacts to things. He's really chill and really calm. And, um, he was like, we should go down, right? (laughs) Like we should get out of here. And then, uh, my cousins who were with me, um, weren't very experienced hikers and they, and they were like, we need to just go forward because we don't know when we're ever going to, here again and then so I because I think it's because of my experience in hiking not only by myself but just in general I was right in the middle I was like why don't we just sit here and wait for a minute and see what happens and so we did we waited and then I I actually kind of hiked up a little bit and I there's this part in Mount Whitney where these these two spires kind of go up and you can look between them I know exactly what you're talking about and then I could see that there was a break, but then there was this giant black death, like the nothing was coming. And I was like, 
I walked back down and I'm like, well, by my calculations, we have about 25 to 45 minutes to get off this mountain. So we raced to the top, got up there, signed the book. We were the first ones up there and then came back down. And then as we, as we hit the, the, as we hit the 99 switchbacks, the mountain just got pelted, just absolutely bombarded with rain and lightning and thunder and everything. And, and then as we were coming down, we get about, we got about like almost all the way to the bottom of the hill of the 99 switchbacks where that, like, uh, the summit camp is. Mm -hmm. And this lady, the, the sun comes out. You know, the, the storm had passed. This lady comes running up and hugs me because she was in their tent when we left. And then she saw the storm hit the mountain. She knew we were up there and she was worried that they were going to find us up there dead. I never met the lady before. I don't remember her name. I don't remember what she looks like. But it was such a it was such a heartwarming experience to know that like this complete stranger was worried for all of our lives because she knew that we were up there. And so, I mean, that's, that's another thing that I love about backpacking is the community is just, it's so incredible. Yeah. By and large, I mean, I've had a handful of negative experiences here and there, but they're absolutely overshadowed by, oh, absolutely. by the, like friends that you make on trail. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's funny you, you mentioned, you know, it would have been the smarter thing to do to leave, uh, when the lightning started, but there's a thing that happens in long distance backpacking where your your priorities simplify and and kind of organize themselves and water becomes really paramount yeah water becomes the like the most important thing and so like as i'm sitting there collecting water in a lightning storm from a metal pipe (laughs) i'm just like i'm like i know that this is dumb like, I know that what I'm doing right now isn't a rational decision, but like, but like, I need the water. Right. I need it. Like, I have to. There's no place else to get water. Right. And so it, it's, it's, it's this weird thing. And it typically, for me at least, um, happens somewhere around the third day on trail where it's just like water, food place to put my tent water food place to put my tent yeah and and everything else melts away and those three things become like the most important thing Mm -hmm. in the whole world yeah and uh, it's funny like how many stories i hear from other backpackers and how many stories i have myself of like wildly stupid things that i've done to get water yeah yeah and there's like uh even even that it's kind of a survival paradox where it's like if you don't have access to to a filter like maybe you lose your filter or it breaks do you risk drinking dirty water because you need water but then you're but then you could throw it up and then you become even more dehydrated or do you skip the water like it's like a i actually don't even know the answer to that i probably should the the answer i will tell you is i carry the little iodine drop kit as a backup so if my filter breaks or i lose my filter i at least have a way to right to uh clean the water yeah i have i have had a little um like a little tiny jar it looks like like a crack jar (laughs) and it has like three or four pills in it yeah but over the years of hiking and moisture and you know patagonia was patagonia was the most amazingly beautiful and wonderful experience but also one of the hardest places i've ever been like it is so nasty there and i was wet for like well over two weeks just straight and then um when i got i think when i got home from that trip i was going through my backpack and i found that little vial and i was like oh this thing's cool and i'm like why is it brown (laughs) and so i'm like i i i dumped it out into my hand and the pills literally just almost vaporized in oh, my hand. Wow. They were just complete. They were only being held together by like, I don't know, gravity. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, I need to, I need to get some more iodine. Yeah. Pills, but. The, the little kit that I have, it's two like eyedropper bottles mm-hmm. and you put X amount of drops of one and X amount of drops of the oh, other. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and then you have to let it sit and wait for like, I think it's like 45 minutes to an hour or something right. like that. And it tastes terrible. Like, yeah. But that's better than the being few dehydrated. Oh yeah. And Absolutely. it's, I, I can tell you from experience that I would way rather drink 
like chemically altered nasty tasting water than ever have giardia again oh yeah it is hands down the sickest i have ever been in my entire life it was yeah miserable i i'm so 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 thankful i've never had giardia or any kind of like stomach bug from and like i'm probably jinxing myself this but like (laughs) i drank water in nepal like out of the spring yeah without a filter and was fine and like other people around me were getting sick so i don't i'm just lucky i guess yeah and i've seen people um i actually (laughs) i let so when i was living in england i let my flatmate borrow my water filter because he was going on a on a on a hike and my back had freaked out i was supposed to go on the hike with him but my back don't even get me started (laughs) uh it decided to to spaz on me and I couldn't go on the trip. So I just gave him my water filter and then he came back and he was sick as fuck for like three days. Oh no. Cause he drank, he drank like water and I was like, well you used my filter, right? And he's like, yeah, but he was drinking water from like just outside of a town and there's cattle everywhere. Right. And I'm just like, okay, well I'm not victim shaming or victim blaming, yeah. but like, Filters Maybe can only do so much. Filters can be most natural stuff, not like human and like, you know, it was probably, yeah. So and I, I think that's what happened to me, actually, because I got Giardia and uh, as as someone who outdoor adventures, I already know what your reaction is going to be to this <laughs> because I've seen this reaction from a lot of people. Uh, I got Giardia in the winter on Mount Lassen. How? I... I because th- we had to boil snow to to get water because there's no running water, mm. you know, when you're th- at that high of elevation right, in right, the right. deep snow. And my suspicion is that I dug into a place where someone had urinated. Oh, and yeah, even yeah, boiling yeah. the water isn't gonna really yeah. fix that. Well, you didn't boil it long enough, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, it has to be like eight minutes or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, but for like a typical, like if you're just out backpacking and you find good fresh snow. You can typically boil it for two or three minutes and it's good to go. Right. But if you come across a patch of snow that yeah. has something extra uh, in it. Unlucky. Yeah. Of all the places to dig. It was so wild, too, because I was just like, who the fuck gets Giardia in the winter? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, because the snow is just happens. sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't touched anything, it's come yeah. from the sky. Right. But I managed to get Giardia on a winter trip. Oh, my gosh. On, on Mount Lassen. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> go backpacking for your mental health and then get sick. <laughs> Oops. Wow. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, well, yeah, it looks like we're actually kind of coming up on an hour. Oh, wow. That went, that went quick. really quick. Yeah, it did go really Holy fast. Cow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, let's, uh, why don't we tell everyone where they can find you, social medias, your YouTubes, uh, oh, okay. all those things. Uh, all of it is under Lost Again with Jim. Right. So it's super easy. I have Instagram, uh, a Facebook that I rarely touch, and then the YouTube channel that I update once a week. Right. So, and all of it is just under Lost Again with Jim. Okay. And then the the, the new podcast that you want to start? Tentatively, I think I'm going to call it Lost Again, the podcast. Okay. Just so that it, it all kind of ties together and works together. Because um, when we originally started the Elevation Gains podcast, I didn't want it to be solely linked to me because we were co-hosting. Right. And it was, you know, it was going to be a separate entity from from what Holly does with her gym and with her free diving stuff and, and what I do with the backpacking thing. But with the new podcast, it's just going to be me. And hopefully guests. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to, for right now, we'll say I'm going to tie it all together under one name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I did. So yeah. I think it I think it works. Um, yeah, cool. Well, uh, thanks for chatting. That was fun. Yeah, that was a uh, blast. We'll, we'll have to do this again for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'll, have you, I'll have you on my podcast. Yeah, that'd be I great. I have so. lots of stupid backpacking stories. Some of them I, I think back and I'm like, that doesn't even sound like that could actually happen to a person. I have so many of those. I know. It's I can't so wait. Wild. It'll be fun. Yeah. It's so wild when you think about, and I think this applies to outdoor adventuring, period, whether you're like yeah. mountain biking or whatever, whatever your, your hobby of choice is, like 
anybody who spends a significant amount of time adventuring has at least a handful of stories where you tell somebody who's never done the thing that you're talking mm-hmm. about and they just go, you're batshit crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I've even told other backpackers about some of my stories and they're like, there's no way that really happened. When I tell people the Tower Peak story, when I when I fell down that glacier, mm-hmm. the immediate reaction from almost everybody is, why Why do you still go backpacking? Like, why wasn't that? Yeah, you know, why yeah, didn't you yeah, quit yeah. right after that? Well, not only that, but then we started off the episode with a car coming through your window. Like, are you a cat? <laughs> <laughs> you just can't be killed? I hope. I, I mean, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks, Jim. Yeah, that was and, awesome. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll check you on the next episode. Bye. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with me. Uh, I hope you got something useful from this episode. If this is your first time listening, uh, please consider subscribing so you don't miss out on any of the other fun things that we'll be talking about in the future. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, uh, I would encourage you to go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a little review. This really does help me grow the podcast. And of course, if you have any questions or comments or you just want to connect on all the other social medias, you can find me on Instagram at Life Nomadic Podcast, on Twitter at That Life Nomadic, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Life Nomadic Podcast, or you can just send me an email, Life Nomadic Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening. I look forward to talking to you guys, and we'll see you in the next episode.